0: blood talk radio <laughs>
1: A <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you just call for chicken.
2: Welcome to the backyard poultry with the Chicken Whisperer radio show brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Today is Thursday, July 24th, and I would like to thank all of you for tuning in this afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. This is a live radio show that is broadcast around the world. This radio show is all about keeping backyard poultry, show poultry, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by place I just went a couple of days ago, (laughs) Tractor Supply. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back after this short break. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfge.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. introducing the chicken fountain a new way to water your flock the chicken fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean fresh water every time no more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers this semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean proudly made in the usa the chicken fountain will provide your flock with fresh clean water for years to come To order your chicken fountain, visit chickenfountain.com. That's chickenfountain.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality
1: products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders,
2: waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's GQFRadio.com.
1: Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer.
0: And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken.
2: All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We've got a great show lined up for you today. This, uh, I guess it's the third Thursday. Uh, no, it's the fourth. It's the fourth Thursday of the month. Let me get the calendar up. Yeah, one, two, three, four. But there are five Thursdays. That's why I was messed up. So the fourth Thursday of uh, July, which means we do have Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, joining us today talking all about mold control, Um, in and around the home, so uh, I'll give you a little story about how that is touching home, no pun intended, with uh, me, uh, or at least it has in the last couple of three weeks, so uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Yesterday on my Facebook page, yesterday evening, I had posted a little snippet, a little teaser about the upcoming Chicken Whisperer tour that we've got, the fall tour. We had a very successful spring tour, uh, 4,500 miles 15 events, Um, I forget how many uh, states, uh, probably more states than 15, but uh, it was absolutely an amazing tour, we had a really good time, had some family time along the way, but we are getting ready to do it again for our fall tour, and uh, we should be actually hitting the road in about three weeks to head up to Atlanta, and then for the national webinar we've got that hopefully you've all been signing up for, uh, you can see the link there on my uh, Facebook page and it'll be a national webinar with the USDA and the CDC. And I believe the fall uh, webinar is going to talk a little bit about molting, um, heating requirements, if any and probably not, uh, in the winter time, preparing for winter, nutrition through the winter, different things like that. We try to do two a year, once uh, in the beginning of spring or early spring, late winter, and then now with the fall. So it's going to be a, a lot of great information, absolutely free webinar uh, with the c d c and um u s d a and i will be one of the uh panelists along with a uh a doc uh, a vet doc from uh, the um u s d a and a uh, epidemiologist i believe with the c d c so um they'll uh, that'll my uh, also my co host for that webinar, but anyway, we'll be heading about three weeks up to Atlanta for that event at c d c headquarters, and uh, while i'm there, i'm going to ask if I can look in any closets to see if I can find any of the Ebola virus that's just hanging around you know the the um the janitor closets. did you see that in the news? I've been to c d c headquarters uh, a couple of times and and uh it's it's amazing security it's an amazing place we've talked about it on the show before uh the the, the major outbreak response it's just it's incredible. And, um, and it's, uh, like, you see that stuff on, on, on TV, we don't own a television, but, uh, I know that I've seen a, a few episodes of 24 back in the day, and, um, you know, his office there in the 24, uh, and his headquarters there at whatever that place is called, you know, he goes up into his management office, and he flips a switch, and then all the glass goes, zzz, to go black, so he can't see in it, tense, yeah, that's at the CDC, very cool. So, anyway, um, not kidding, so anyway, um, I don't know if you saw that story where they found, I don't know if it was Ebola or or some very rare, it was a smallpox, maybe a smallpox, live, smallpox virus in like a janitor's closet somewhere in the CDC. So I'm going to have to check the janitor's closet while I'm there. But nonetheless, we'll have a a broadcast live there from our webinar, and then from there we're going to be hitting the road. And I did, back to the topic, um, post kind of a teaser that we are going to be going and having events from Virginia to Maine. Now, hopefully by tomorrow in the business, um, I will get – we have submitted the tour that we wanted to do in the stores we wanted to stop at. Uh, They are maybe making a couple of three or four changes at Tractor Supply Headquarters, and then I should be getting that back by the end of tomorrow business. And then we'll go through and, and and see the changes they may have made, if they're pertinent on the route, not crazy off the route, things like that, that that we're going to be taking. And uh but but let me just kind of give you uh the initial route, not the route, but the states that we'll be stopping in. There may be a change here or there when I receive the, uh, the final list tomorrow from Tractor Supply, but this is what we submitted to them. So if you're in this area, we'd love, we'd love to see you. Um, Mechanicsville, Virginia, of course, these will be at the Tractor Supply stores. The events will uh, in these locations. Now, again, there may be three or four changes here, um, but we'll, of course, maybe hopefully by next week, The end of next week, we'll be posting all of the tours, dates, times, stops. It's because I'd love to meet you. So, uh, Mechanicsville, Virginia. Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, Manassas, Virginia. Three stops in Virginia. How about that? Um, York, Pennsylvania. Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Uh, New Milford, Connecticut. Farmington, Connecticut. Uh, Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Scroll down here a little bit. Bennington, Vermont. Sarasota Springs, New York. Derry, New Hampshire. Sanford, Maine. Um, Lewiston, Maine, and Bangor, Maine. So that right now looks like that should be 15 events. Maybe it's 14. And um, <clears throat> that's right now tentative. So uh, if I named your local tractor supplier within a couple of hour drive, you want to come out and say hello and sit in for the one and a half hour Getting Started with Backyard Workshop and Book Signing Event and Pictures, Autographs, and uh, Q&A. We'd love to see you. And uh, i have all those dates hopefully by the end of next week. But uh, people were on the Facebook page because I just said Virginia to Maine. And they were like, stop here, stop here, stop here, stop here. I'd love to see you here, love to see you there. So if you're uh, listening live or to the archive, now, you know, kind of the area right now, tentative, where we may be stopping in your neck of the woods. I didn't see New Jersey up there, and, and uh, I'm, I'm, I was going to post this on my Facebook page, my personal page, but I'm just going to – I have a question um, for all you folks that reside up north, okay? Um, and, and it's just a question. I saw – this is a true story, true as the day is long. Um, it was covered by the major news outlets. Uh, I think I saw it from a, a news outlet in Pennsylvania. So it was, you know, the typical, you know, everyday nightly news, you know, believe it or not. But anyway, it's a true story. And a single mom, a young single mom um, uh, with her kids was, she lived in Pennsylvania apparently, and she was traveling. Um, I don't know if she was going on vacation or going to see family. And she had um, uh, just completed, uh, did everything the right way. She went and sat through classes to obtain her concealed carry permit um, to protect yourself. Family members like, hey, look, you're a single mom. You work two or three jobs. Uh, You get off at late hours sometimes. You may have to go make night deposits, You know, you've got kids at home. You need to uh, protect yourself. So she's driving through, apparently, New Jersey. She's driving through. I don't even remember where she was going, seeing family vacation something. She got pulled over for whatever, not using her turn signal, speeding, whatever, a minor traffic violation. She gets pulled over, and apparently in the concealed weapons permit class, she was um, – I guess they taught to, whenever you're pulled over by law enforcement, to um, – hey, can I see your driver's license? They should say, hey, I have a firearm in the, in the vehicle, and I have a permit to carry that firearm. I am licensed. The, 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 the firearm is licensed. Da-da-da-da. Open, honest uh, information, and apparently that's what they taught in the class back in Pennsylvania when she was taking that to get her concealed carry. And uh, (laughs) the story went on to say that apparently, in New Jersey, it's completely illegal to carry any firearm, I guess, whether it be in your car or on your person, anywhere like that. I mean, in your car, maybe the gun's locked up in a a, a case in the trunk and the ammo's in the glove box and separate. Apparently, uh, that's a no-no, too. So apparently, she got toted off to jail and is now facing something like, I don't know Ten years in prison, uh, and, and both the officer and the judge have been quoted saying, well, you shouldn't have opened your mouth, <laughs> lady. You should have just, you would have got a ticket for whatever, uh, possibly or a warning, and you would have gone on your way. But because you were honest, you told us you had a license to carry it because it was registered, da 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 Regardless of, your, of what your gun rights, you know, Second Amendment, whatever your beliefs are, shows about chickens, but I'm going on tour up in that area, and I do like to uh, protect my family, um, but so, so it's something that's that's definitely vividly in the front of my brain right now. If I'm going Virginia to Maine, I, I don't right now. It doesn't look like I'm going through New Jersey. I may have to pass through there. Um, I have to make that executive decision. Do I do I um, transport you know a a firearm to protect my family? I mean, if we get if we flat tire, car breaks down, we're on the side of the road uh, with no way to protect my family, my wife, my young children. Uh, we're at the Liberty. Of whoever pulls up behind us, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Shake a tire iron at somebody who has a weapon, or maybe there's a group of three or four of them and want to do harm. I'm, I'm a sitting duck. So I'm uh, just curious for you folks that live up north. Send me an email. I'd like I'd like to hear what I mean. What what you do? I don't know the laws up there. And, and, and apparently, this lady now may face ten years in prison uh, because of uh, she you know. Riding through, passing through, in her car, not on her person, and so I don't. You know, I guess it's one thing. I'll have to look up the laws for every single state, see which ones accept uh, the the permit I have here in Georgia, which ones don't, what the rules are. Um, I'll be going into New York, not New York State, and so uh, am I just going to have to um, leave my protection at home? And just to be at the will if I break down and have a flat tire to anybody, a criminal, who pulls up behind me, maybe a gang of three thugs that want to do harm to my family and rob me because I can't utilize my Second Amendment right and, and, and take a weapon to protect my family while I'm on the road. So uh, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you and see what you do. I mean, surely people in New Jersey in the state so, carry have weapons, right? I mean, you know. It's America and in New York, but do not travel with them. If you have them, what's the purpose? Just to, you know, take a long rifle out to hunt deer and, and, and turkey and stuff, but but no handguns in the whole state are allowed. There's not a single handgun in the whole state of New Jersey. I find that hard to believe. So I'd like to hear from you if you live up in the air, New Jersey, New York, in that area, um, CW at com. That's CW at com. And let me know what you do. I mean, is it just is it not a single handgun in all of New Jersey. How do you get it from the store if you buy it to your home without breaking the law? Or is that just in, you know, the, the city? I don't know. I, I have no idea. So I'd love to hear from you guys up there because I'm planning this trip up there. I'll be on the road for six weeks. And, uh, and you and I both know. Flat tire, broken down, got my kids, my young daughter, son, wife, you know. Um, you're just at liberty if you don't have a way to protect yourself. that whoever pulls up behind you uh, with weapons or anything. Maybe there's three of them, and all you have is a, a tire iron, there's three of them, you know, you're, you're, you're out of luck, my friends. So anyway, I do want to reach out to my fans and, 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 and listeners. I want to hear, if you live up in the area, what do you do? If you go to a store, are they even allowed to sell them? How do you get them home? How do you, if you're going to go on a – I mean, how do you – you can't have them at all, zip, zero, nothing. So uh, just curious, or or is a deer rifle, I mean, if, if a deer rifle uh a, a, a something you can carry around, you know, so you can only have three shells in the chamber, that's better than nothing at all. If someone pulls up behind you and, and you're ready to do harm, I guess I have to carry a deer rifle and, instead of a pistol or something like that, I guess I will. But uh, CW at chickenwhisperer.com, dot com. like to hear from you. Let me know what, what in New Jersey, New York... Any, any, uh, uh, Massachusetts, I guess, um, Connecticut. What are the laws? You know, I'm passing through on vacation. Is my camper kind of like my home, if you know? Can I keep it in the camper, not in the car? Do I need to keep the ammo separate from the weapon unloaded in the drug, blood, drug, uh, in the drug box? Yeah, how about that? In the uh, glove box or in the um, in the trunk separate? I'd like to know because it is something that is now forefront on our mind as we prepare for this trip up there uh, traveling with the family. and We travel all over this great land. So, uh, But I saw that story and it made me think. It was on the news. You can probably look it up and uh, and verify that. So, all righty, we're going to talk to Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, mold, mold Control in and around the home. And I'll tell you why this is even a current event for us, is that um, my parents, not my parent-in-law, Jen's parents, um, three years ago, okay, we, we bought the little farmhouse down here in uh, South Georgia seven years ago, We moved down here full-time three years ago when Caleb was born, a little over three years ago. And uh, three years ago, they bought a house just right down the street from us so they could come down and uh, see the grandkids and us uh, more often, have a place to stay, that type of thing. And uh, all last summer, um, when we were on the road, they didn't come down. uh, The house was obviously closed up. It was a very wet summer. It was a very hot, humid summer. And uh, so now that we're back, we're back off the road after nine months of being on the road, we came down here to check things out, you know, move things here and there, that type of thing. They came down to visit. We were getting things ready for them. And um, I guess I can't tell you for sure if it was mildew or mold, and if I even really know the difference between the two. Uh, I know there's, it wasn't black mold like everybody always jumps up and down and, and goes crazy about. Um, it wasn't any of the black mold. It was more of a grayish color. And it seemed to be on just about a lot of stuff inside the house. And it attacked kind of a lazy board recliner that was here and was all over that. Again, not black mold, but it was great. And it could have been mildew. Uh, But I guess it just got very, very humid inside the house. It was a very wet summer, very hot, very humid summer. And um, it, it built up inside the house and, you know, even... On, on chairs and tables and the coffee table and, and the entertainment center and things like that. So we've gone through, we had the came out, we had the carpet cleaned professionally, we had the duct cleaned, duct court all cleaned and out professionally and sanitized and um, wiped everything down with the uh, <clears throat> Clorox and the Lysol wipes, that type of thing, getting it back in order. But uh, And then, of course, when we noticed it happening, we turned all the ceiling fans on to get ceiling you know, air movement, things like that, because it was just stagnant, still, The the, 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 the heating and air wasn't on, the ceiling fans weren't on, wet summer, hot summer, humid South Georgia summer, and um, it obviously got moisture in here, so I'm definitely interested. Personal note uh, regarding the show today, you'll love what you hear when Richard is on, publisher of Back Home Magazine, Uh, you can get this information and so much more about uh, living sustainably uh, at backhomemagazine.com, or you can subscribe to his publication. Make sure during the show you go check that out. Backhomemagazine.com. Let's give Richard a big welcome. Oh, yeah. Hey, Richard, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. You don't know by, you don't by any chance know any of the um, information about you know. Um, toting um weapons up in that area do you? i mean it's i saw the story and i thought well wow i'm getting ready to go on tour for six weeks from virginia to maine in that northeast region and um you know it's uh it's, it's probably no secret that you know a lot of people uh tote to, for protection and um i protect my family you know, rv park or rv you know and, a 10-can basically on, on the road at these different RV parks we've never stayed at. We don't know the area they're in. We just hope that's where we're going to be, close to the tractor supply. We'll stop there. And it could be the parks full of thugs and, and uh, questionable people. And so uh, it's something that uh, – that I, I, do, do you know how that works up in that? I mean, you're in North Carolina, so you're still kind of in one of these. I don't think there's a problem anywhere below, below the Mason-Dixon line. I
0: think it's pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much You know, the, You're not going to get
2: uh, towed to jail. Uh, in anywhere south of the Mason-Dixon, I don't think uh, toting you know in your car in the glove box or whatever you got a permit for it from your state, whatever. Just as long as you're not stupid and get out and have it on your hip walking through McDonald's or something. But um, yeah, have you ever had true. any issues with that, or or any, any things in the mag in your magazine about it? Any
1: articles in the past about that? <laughs> no, we haven't. We haven't in the magazine. I I do know that the um, you you hit the nail on the head. It's basically above Virginia. Uh, <laughs> on the east Coast, where you're gonna have where you're gonna have trouble and that's um and that is limited um that is especially true in municipalities like certain it's it's unusual but in certain areas like new york city for example is extremely restrictive um, uh-huh. other other cities are extremely extremely restrictive even though the state may not have a, as a restrictive thing but generally generally the um uh with the exception of new hampshire for some reason the um Everything up north of um, Virginia, I would say, is going to be a very risky proposition. And the, the other thing is, the other thing is the the holes in the in the laws. Um, there's broad openings and, and loose interpretations of a lot of stuff, like you mentioned, how yeah. to get how to get it from point of purchase to to home, mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing is is very um, is very interpretive. So. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I know there's uh, there's at least one website that um that uh I have looked at for tra- for, for just what you're doing is traveling um, mm-hmm. from point A to point B and you can you can check the check the rules out for each individual state. And then they also have broken down to certain areas or, or counties or, or municipalities that are that are more restrictive and what exactly they're restrictive about. But um I don't I don't remember the I don't remember the name of that website but it would be very easy to find. Uh, okay, you know, yeah, little, I'll do a Google
2: search, search on that and see if I can find that. I just, it, it just, I mean, I, I don't, I know it's a touchy subject for a lot of people out there, and I'm not going to open up that can of worms. But I just, you know, I, I just don't understand how. Um, if you lived in that area, I, I just don't get it. You know, my, if you fear I break down, I have a flat tire here. I'm going four thousand miles and. And I've got my son, my daughter, and my wife, and, you know, you're, you're truly – I don't think anybody can argue that you're truly at liberty that whoever pulls up behind you, whether it be a gang of three, a gang of six, or one or two people that want to do your harm, and you've got a tire iron, and, and not because of the the law wherever I'm traveling, because I don't want to go to jail to, from protecting my family. Now, you know, there's the potential that we all die because of that. I don't know. It just kind of rubs me a little bit the wrong way. And so, But it is, in essence, we're going to that area in three, four weeks – now has become a uh, a very important topic <laughs> to us to yeah, see yeah. what our, our options are. So, yeah, I'll look that up. So, uh, But, yeah, so we've we, we dealt with this mold here at the uh, Old Farmhouse and um, dealing with that. And I'll be, I'll be 100% honest with you. I, I don't know if it was mold or a mildew issue or what, what the difference is. It wasn't the black mold that everybody goes cuckoo over and insurance companies come in and condemn and tear down homes and things like that. Um, I didn't see any black mold. It was more of a grayish uh, or white um type of uh mold or, or mildew, maybe you can touch on, on a little bit of that, but uh mold control costs, things like that, I'll turn it over to you and I'll definitely be paying attention.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and the reason I I chose the subject was not only because we had done an article on it, but because it this year particularly and in many other years we've had we here, uh in our area and I know I know a lot of the region has had um you know especially heavy rainfall and and a continuous continuous high humidity and warm high humidity a, a lot of uh, ongoing rain with brief sunny periods you know that kind of thing and that's that's really what um what drives the um, you know drives the incidence mold up and also in areas with a lot of vegetation so we're you know in this area in the mountains here we're highly um susceptible because of the um because of the um growth of you know trees and shrubbery and, and all that, and, uh, and that moisture clinging, uh, humidity sort of gets hung up in the in the trees and all that. So it's so it's just a perfect environment, and um, so it really is. A, you know, it may not be it may not be a problem every season for every area, but I'm sure that many many areas in the in the uh, Canada and the U S have experienced uh, uh, mold issues uh, at one time or another due to uh, a lot of reasons. Um, now the incidence of, of air conditioning, the use of air conditioning has has reduced, you know, has re- reduced some of it because people, you know, these days tend to um, a lot of homes are really sealed, you know, sealed boxes now, and the, and the air conditioner and the heat pump with the air is always on, and um, and so that does limit the uh, the habitat for mold, but um, but it, for people who who like to you know conserve energy or just don't run the air AC all the time or just don't have AC uh you know believe it or not in, in you know in the mountains here and a lot of places um that aren't uh that aren't um, at lower elevations, you really don't need air conditioning consistently i mean you might have days when you wish you had it, but it- it's not like a it's not like an absolute need, and so people will um experience evenings you know daytime maybe be eighty eighty two degrees in the evening maybe down to sixty and it's just a you know just not a necessity to have air conditioning just as long as the flow of air can move through your through your house so um, I guess the best thing to do is for me to start with um talking a little bit about what uh you know what it is, where it comes from, and what it takes to main what it takes to to be there um and then of course what we can do to to stop it or to or to uh the um the elements that make it uh available to grow um you know you don't think about mold all that much unless it's unless it's Obvious and like you said, it's mold or mildew. You know, you don't always know. I mean, it's um, pretty much the mildew is the stuff you smell it. Um, you might see a little bit of uh, a little bit of evidence, uh, uh, spottiness maybe on on surfaces or on a on a uh, on a couch or a uh, or a wallpaper or, or a counter or something, and uh, it'll be it'll be possibly um, only visible in certain times of the day when light strikes it. And then if it's if it's more uh, more prevalent, you'll you'll be able to see the start of spores and and such, and then and then that can develop into into a you know full blown mold uh, situation, mold invasion, and you know I honestly don't know the technical differences between mildew and mold, but I the reason is I, it's because there are it's a fungi, mold is a fungi, and there are there are literally tens of thousands of uh, species of mold and so you know to to be able to identify and separate uh from molds, from mildew and and the stages of growth and all that colors and everything is, is requires really some expertise and um you know i'm not i'm not positive that some of this doesn't uh, doesn't uh pass from one phase to the next and become you know become a problem after being uh, initiating as as a minor a minor ir- uh nuisance to a you know to a problem you know it's it's um it's something that um, that requires certain uh, conditions to exist and and basically they need um, they need uh, moisture they need a surface to grow on that that supplies them with food and they need a temperature environment to uh, to continue to thrive and that that all those things or any combination of those things will make the difference between just ex- and actually thriving and, and multiplying and growing and, uh, you know, and morphing into horrible black mold or whatever, whatever else it might be. Um, so I'll go into each of those, each of those conditions, those three situations. But I, but I, I guess the first thing to say after that is, um, it's like, where does it come from? Well, it's just, it just occurs naturally. It's all, it's, it's in the air. Um, and usually it doesn't create a problem like outdoors. It doesn't normally create a problem. It, it can when it, when it settles on, say, decking or outdoor furniture, you'll see that, um, you know, especially in a moist in a moist environment, that uh, if you don't wipe off your lawn chair every every morning, or or you know, you may you may be a weekend type person and you and you only deal with your only deal with your um, with your lawn furniture and your pa- decking and patio stuff in the weekends, and after a good week of of uh, highly high humidity or, or rainy and humid conditions, uh, uh, you'll come outside on the deck to find that the furniture is full of, uh, you know, full of mold and has to be cleaned and all that, uh, black spots or whatever. Um, so it's just naturally occurring. And so outside you can understand that. Inside, you wonder, well, how does that happen? I mean, it's, it's, there's a roof over the house and there's uh, screens on the door and all that. Um, the, the fungi organisms are small, you know, uh, microcosms, and they, and they um, actually can... Um, you know they'll they'll be carried into the into the homes into your buildings uh it can come in on your clothing um it can come in on uh, if you're built if people are building a house or bring things into the house like building materials or furniture or um anything like that they can bring it from the outside to the inside and start a colony um they can actually come in and penetrate the structure through um ventilation systems you know, even even active ventilation where you have fans blowing through ductwork. Uh, if your filtration isn't good enough they can come in through that or uh or like in many cases just through an open window even with screens. The screen screening is there to prevent um insects and in some cases maybe rain you know, rain infiltration but it certainly is is to a mold spore. It's a it's a it's a huge opening. The screens are not are not built to stop uh, to stop fungi. So um so it you know it'll just come in naturally. I mean you leave the door open with the screen door shut. And even with a good screen, it's going to it's going to come in just air, air blowing through. Um, once it gets in, if the conditions are right in the house, it's going to it's going to grow. Um, the um, moisture is, I guess, moisture is the uh, the main you know the main uh, the main ingredient there uh, because that's you know as we as we notice when when there is moist and humid conditions in in the air, you know either inside or outside, um, that's when the mold and mildew starts. Um, so they measure moisture by a um, by a measure called equilibrium relative humidity. It's called ERH. If people do any any research on this on the, on the web or or uh, buy the magazine or or look into it in a medical sense from uh, uh, CDC or any of the other sources, where you'll get information, um, it'll be referred to as uh, as ERH. And that's the uh, that's actually a measure at a specific temperature um, at which the uh, at which a piece of paper um will will not gain or lose moisture so it's sort of a it's sort of a benchmark and uh, and that piece of paper it's actually a piece of a specific piece of paper that has has specific characteristics but but it also uh, could include furniture or building materials drywall uh wallpaper whatever that um fabric you know that that contain the same characteristics so it could occur on on that just as easily um but for measuring purposes the you know, scientists just use this these very particular benchmarks um, and uh, i didn't I didn't realize this but um, but uh, there are three different kinds of um, of uh, colonies of uh, of molds there's primary, secondary or tertiary, and just to define them the the um, uh, primary colonizers can can actually thrive or propagate, I guess they maybe not thrive, but they can exist and and grow in, uh, in a in an erh or equilibrium uh, humidity of, of less than eighty percent, which really is is not uh, what I would call a wet you know a super wet condition that's a lot of us live in homes where it 's less than eighty percent um, and um, and, so, and certain uh, certain colonizers of mold types of mold can uh, can actually uh, exist and grow in, in, in this condition. Um, the worst case example are, are the tertiary colonize, uh, colonizers at the other end of the scale. Um, they usually grow only where there's really serious condensation problems or, or moisture problems, uh, you know, leaking pipes or sanding water or whatever. Um, and these are the 90 plus percentile uh, levels. And, um, and uh, you know, so, so the, you have your range from the from the uh, uh, you know the intermediate ones are are the uh, uh, you know between the primary and the tertiary um, you have the secondary ones so so that range there can be you know can be down you know down in the seventy percentile range and up up to you know one hundred percent humidity um, the um, temperatures now are another are another uh, uh, measuring stick of, of whether or whether or not the, the mold will will grow or thrive or or not grow um they're not as critical though because there's a wide variety of, of uh, fungi, mold fungi that um that can that can do quite well in um in ranges of uh between fifty degrees and ninety five degrees, you know, Fahrenheit. So this is a well within the range of what we're used to living in, in indoors as well. Um uh, you know, even in the winter I guess some people can when if they're not home if they keep the thermostat low they're you're you're talking about a a comfortable range even for fungi at 50 or 55 degrees um, and in the summer of course inside of a home that's not air conditioned can easily get to uh, easily get to uh, uh, you know 85, 90 degrees or, or more in some places um, so, uh, so these are the the, the temperatures um, there's not really a whole lot you can do about that except for air conditioning and, uh, and even then that won't necessarily always um, you know always take care of the thing now one thing I will say while we're just talking about air conditioning uh, is that uh, a lot of people think of air conditioners as, as uh, appliances that are basically there to, to knock the temperature down. Well, that's true, but, they, but their main purpose is to, to remove the humidity from the air, and that's how, that's how the temperatures get knocked down. So in removing the humidity from the air, that's what's, that's what's reducing the incidence of, of mold in a room that's air conditioned, not so much that it's, that the temperatures are being adjusted to a lower temperature. Because as I said, you're not—you know—most people aren't going to keep their air conditioners on to where to where the temperature's down to say 50, because that's not—that's not really that that comfortable even in summer. Um, so having said that, the only thing left then is nutrients, and you know, being being fungi and and natural living organisms, they will grow uh, their nutrients from almost anything really, um, uh, you know, things we recognize like paper, cloth, leather. Um, wallpaper, vinyl, um, um, wood, um, you know, just about anywhere, really. I mean, you just, you just um, I've seen mold growing on formica, things that you would think have absolutely no, you know, no value at all as food for, for, a, uh, for anything, but for fungi, it, it's fine, and mainly because it's not, not just the surface of the uh, material that's, that it's feeding on, but more often it is, it is that there are things on that surface Um, that uh, are food for the for the fungi. Um, Fats, carbohydrates, proteins, um, all this stuff appears as you know kitchen cooking grease, you know just the vapors from cooking grease, uh, uh, cooking oil, um, human hair, skin flakes, um, some construction glues, um, plant and animal material, house dust, animal fur and animal um, dander, um, all this kind of stuff, and you know, some of it sounds pretty nasty. And you know, you wouldn't think about. You think, well, I don't have that. You really can't keep. You can't keep human hair. I mean, it. it you can vacuum and clean a lot, but you still there's still always going to be something. Um, you know, there's dust mites. There's um, there's other just other materials and and uh, and you know, food that might have been spilled and you didn't realize it behind the couch, or you know, kids dumped something that didn't clean it up and kicked it under the couch or something like that. I mean, it's just there's just there's just a lot of opportunity for um, for the fungi to uh, find a food source so uh, so you know all this all this kind of, all these three all these three conditions work together um, to um, to uh, propagate the mold and uh, you know it doesn't necessarily have to be one of them it can be very very minor or very low but it it'll still it'll still uh, grow um, now why are we even concerned other than the the, the smell and the um, you know, unpleasant sort of a mildewy smell and the um, and just a nasty appearance if if you can see it. Um, the big big issue is that molds will really do affect health, um, and it, there's a there's a broad range of how they affect different people. Um, most uh, they can affect uh, just like a lot of other other um, issues, health issues. They they can affect uh, small children more seriously and elderly people more seriously. But there are sensitive people, um, what should I say, or you know, people who are really affected. Uh, most people may simply be sensitive, and they'll have symptoms like eye burning or irritation, a little bit of stuffiness. Um, you know, maybe they will get into a wheezing or whatever, um, or, or coughing if there's a if there's a mold in the in the building, um, which which goes away or, or you know mitigates when when uh, you know dies down when the uh, when the person leaves that particular environment and gets outside or gets to another another place. Um, when they return, um, say at work, is, this is this often happens. You know, people have a, a have a uh, aversion to their workplace because there, there may be a dirty air filter or uh, just a moldy condition. Uh, uh, it may it may be caused by a lot of other things, uh, you know, uh, asbestos or, or fiberglass or dust in the air, or whatever. But um, um, but if it's a moldy condition, that the the the, the, indiv- the sensitive individual will feel will feel um, relief when they leave, like. Go home after a while, a couple hours at home, they feel better. come in the next morning, it's all, it starts all over again. So, um, um, you know, these are the conditions that that, wor- that workers generally, you know, appeal to the owners or the or the managers, or whatever. And please get the air tested, the building tested, uh, cleaned, or whatever. And and there's there's a problem here because there's more than one person here that we're we're complaining about the uh, about the problems. But uh, anyway, in severe cases, um, like uh, people who suffer from allergies um, or serious. Serious allergy-sensitive uh, people can uh, can really get um, uh, conditions like, um, you know, ongoing chronic coughing, upper respiratory infections when there's co- when there's repeated exposure, um, shortness of breath, um, and uh, and asthma, especially asthma sufferers can can start developing asthma uh, attacks in in the presence of mold, and um, of course, that's a serious you know serious situation. So um, you don't want to um, you don't want to Turn a an occasional exposure and just an occasional nuisance um, sensitivity into a problem by repeatedly uh, exposing yourself to the situation, so the only thing to do is you either not go in that place anymore, uh, which is sort of difficult if it's your home or your workplace or um or um you know take care of the all uh, where it lives um, and the, you know the other the other reason for doing it beyond health is just that if it's your if it's your home especially um It'll eventually cause uh, some pretty serious damage to a, to a building, um, especially in places where um, where you don't you don't see it. You know you may you may sense, sense an odor, um, but you don't really know where it's coming from. Uh, uh, you don't have any visible signs that things are moldy, but there are things occurring um, under the sink, for example, or uh, you know in and around the toilet, behind the, the commode, or underneath uh, in cabinets where plumbing runs through a wall. Um, these these areas can be collecting moisture for various reasons um, that will rot wood. Um, it will spread and continue to uh, affect, like drywall, wood, um, other subfloor, other other things that are uh, part of the structural um, elements of the house. And they can develop into both dry and wet rot uh, fungi. You know, not all fungi are are damaging to materials like that, but but they can they can develop into um, if, if the conditions are right they they can develop into uh, serious uh, structural issues so um, and it can, and it can happen it can happen pretty quickly uh, too um, it can take about twenty four hours for mold to germinate from just being in the air to actually getting a foothold and once that happens it can move you know fairly quickly beyond that to be a, you know, to be a uh, the start of a serious problem so um so you know basically what I'm talking about where where you really need to be thinking about if, especially if you if you if you get some kind of a aroma or odor of something a little a little off or musty um, things places like attic and crawl spaces service runs or service chases um, soffit areas the edge between the outside wall and the and the end of the roof where the gutters attached that that little triangular corner that sticks out over the wall outside um, if it's growing there it can spread easily in you know into the living area or into the attic area um, so you really do want to be thinking about that um and you can either think you can either think about it and do some research and do it yourself do do a little bit of searching yourself or you can or you can uh, call in a uh, a mold mitigation specialist or a remediation specialist and they're you know you look online or in the yellow pages and people still use the yellow pages and um and there are people who are trained specifically with c- certification to uh, to uh, look into that uh, uh, look into and then take care of these situations i mean even a an insurance agent or a real estate a realtor may be able to help you with um with providing you with a list of um of uh people they use to um when people make claims to uh, or or people want to look into a home evaluation when they go to buy a house they may have the realtor go find somebody who's certified to uh in the state there to uh, to uh uh remediate mold and investigate mold and whatever. And there's a, var- a variety of price structures depending on whether they're just looking and then what they're, what they're going to do about it and how they're going to take care of it. Um, but I'm, I'm really not beyond that. I'm just, uh, what I'm here today to talk about is just how, how we as homeowners and renters and, and just uh, people living in homes can can do our, what we can do ourselves and how we can do it ourselves to, uh, to just take some steps to take care sure. of it. Um the first thing to do is, is look for in the obvious places i mean actually get down on your hands and knees with a flashlight check your wet zones uh these are definitely under the um, under sinks under the under the bathroom sink under the especially under the kitchen sink the dish around the dishwasher uh in and around behind the toilet tank and at the base of the toilet uh in the cabinets in the cabinets or or uh, um what do you call it vanities that are um that are next to the toilet tank here, and especially where there's pipes coming either up from the floor or out from the wall, where the um, where the uh, supply is for the for the vanity sinks, um, behind showers and tubs. Like uh, in, in some homes, the, there may be a tub in the in the room, and then the uh, behind the, the where the water faucet is for the tub, and the and the drain, and the and the and the controls. There is a um, there's a wall, and behind the wall there may be a closet or a storage area, pantry or something that between the tub and, and the outside wall uh, or the or the wall in the bathroom. So that's, you know, a storage place. But but oftentimes enough if there's that wall where the water where the piping goes into the bathroom there there should always be an access door. It may just be a small you know, a small thing you can un, unfasten and look in there, you know, take a panel off and look in there but, but you need to do look in there because because there could be a leak in a pipe that have, that could have been going on for years and you don't know it. There could be condensation going on, like um, like um, cold water pipes will 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 uh, in in warm, especially extremely warm rooms. A cold water pipe will sweat and drip, and over you know over time. And I'm you know i this is something you don't notice right away if it's especially if it's hidden. Um, I'm not talking time a couple of days. I'm talking like if you don't know if you don't notice it, it could be years or months of of um, of dripping and gathering and it may not have come through um it may be on the first floor and you don't really you're not always under the house to see if there's any evidence of a of a wet spot under the insulation there or you may be in maybe a bathroom on the second floor but the water has not so much dripped onto the ceiling below but has followed a path along the joist or somewhere and it just it's just getting into the wood uh soaking into the insulation but not necessarily getting uh so wet or so uh so fluid that is that is dripping through into the uh, into the uh, ceiling. So so you're still you're still there harboring a very moist condition and uh, more than likely a you know a whole colony of, of you know all sorts of moldy stuff. Um, refrigerator water supply lines uh, where they come up from the floor and the and the condensation trays in the refrigerators, uh, washing machine supply uh, tubs uh, and the supply access. Uh, units there in the wall um if you have water heaters, uh, water um uh conditioners, water softeners, reverse osmosis systems, filters uh look especially around those areas because they will they will often leak or or sweat. Um water heaters of course uh, they you know they can be uh same same deal. Uh they can be sweating and dripping. Um, uh one thing that mo- one place that people don't look for don't think about uh, sometimes there's uh, there's a heat pump a heat pump systems have condensation lines condensation lines and and evaporators and such and there's usually a tray um that collects the condensation and th- these are often located in the attic space above the living area of uh, condos and multi you know multi unit living places and um and um you know homes and all sorts of things places uh and um and they can um if the drain is not properly operating which happens a lot they can um they can overflow and get you know just create a moist, moisture situation up there in the attic where you don't normally go in the go in the in the attic space the unconditioned attic space above your above your living space that all that frequently you, you don't really know it um, and you also need to be looking outside uh, outside exterior hose bibs uh, you know water water garden hose bibs seeds and sprinklers uh, near the exterior walls of the home anything like leaking. Um, leaking gutter pipes and things like that. a swamp cooler water lines. Anybody who lives out west where there's where there's um you know where there's uh, uh, situations where there's uh, a uh, a moisture a moisture additive to um to cool the room. Uh anything like that. So so that's um, that's these are all places to look. Um uh other wet areas you uh you know like around outside siding and stuff like that you you need to go around the outside of the home like the hose bibs and and around the gutters and just look maybe um um i don't know other other places that have water outlets or or drainage areas um where your hvac you know the heat pump stuff is air conditioning outlets for for wall units um you know these are all these are all areas that you have to look and if if necessary caulk around wet areas um and you have to use it indoor, outdoor. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have to call that. Uh, excuse me, I had another call. That's um, okay. the um, yeah, the uh, you know caulking outdoor an outdoor type caulk uh, has to be used around areas where the water can where the water is seeping back in behind the wall and getting into the into the uh, plate. What we call the uh, The uh, base plate or the foot plate of uh, lower plate of your stud stud construction or any any other any kind of construction where the water can settle at the bottom near the floor there because that's where it's going to go and it's going to and it's going to stay there if it has no place you know no place to go Um, you know so you keep your you keep anything that's draining uh, as far as your uh, air conditioning and your HVAC condensate pans you know the the condensation the condensation pans and and capture water capturing um, containers, the drains have to be free on that, so uh, the water can just get out, get out of the dwelling and out to the outside where they, uh, where it belongs. Um, and um, you know, these are all, these are all, um, you know, gutters. Um, gutters are, are a good, are a good example. Over time, if you don't clean your gutters regularly, they'll, it'll, they'll back up. Uh, they'll get over the edge of the, edge of the uh, lip, and the, they don't just drift to the front. Where the uh, where you can see it drip, but they also drip to the back and oftentimes get behind the fascia board, which is the uh, the board that covers the ends of the rafters, the tails, and they'll get behind that and and just sort of the water will get into that that soffit area and it will um, create mold, which then can spread into the into the living space. Um, and not only that, but will rot eventually rot the rafter tails, and that's a huge re- repair job. So um, so water definitely is a, is not our friends when it comes to uh, constantly dripping or moving uh either inside or outside the house unless it's in a pipe um the um you know the 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 remediation is um is something that you can um you know you if you if you're ex- extremely sensitive or or don't want to risk it as i mentioned before there's you know there are people who will do this and you know basically they, they have they should be certified you should really find somebody who's who's uh qualified and certified in the, in the field to um to be able to take care of it give you a quote and they you know uh I would definitely get a quote before um before moving on it um, uh if if you want to tackle it yourself i would i would recommend um especially recommend using um using uh protective equipment um of course if it's just if it's just surface stuff around the you know or as encounters or whatever um not nothing serious but you you know you maybe see a little glint of mildew or something that's something else that can be handled with uh you know with a with a uh, uh combination of um of um, you know some kind of cleaning uh cleaning soap and some a small amount of um of uh, sodium hypochlorite or you know bleach um in some cases uh you can um get a lot better results or at least get more healthy results with uh, without the odor by using peroxide peroxide it, you can get a five percent peroxide, but that's usually available through chemical supply it may not be available to regular consumers uh, in places it it, it may be um, you know for specialty use but the the three percent peroxide if you buy it in larger quantities not just a little bottle at the drugstore uh you know go to a go to one of the big um Sort of wholesale outlets, or you know, I don't know what you call them, the big, bigger places, and you might be able to get like a gallon or more of, of the hydrogen peroxide and just use that. Um, it's, it's safer, um, and that will take care of um, that'll take care of um, a lot of mold issues uh, uh, in cleaning w- without the uh, without the uh, side effects of the of the Clorox or the I should say uh, chlorine bleach. Um, um, and there are some, there are a number of um, there are a number of uh places you can get some um, information some background on actually how to clean uh how to clean safely like with with protective gloves a um a uh, respirator there there are small uh fairly effective respirators not not the kind of just the kind of sanding dust mask that I'm, that people buy for you know 10 for 3 dollars or something not those white filtration things but they're actually they're actually uh soft masks that are held on in the face with with removable filters, and they, they they are they are intended to um, to block a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, sensitivity born issues. I mean, everything from from dust and sand, paper sanding uh, debris to uh, to mold and whatever. Um, and you can get them you, know, you can get them uh, looking in some of the uh, some of the uh, hardware stores and other other supply places. Um, and you can also get information online about that. Uh, one place that I would recommend online. Is the uh, EPA the uh, EPA website at EPA.gov? There's a mold, um, there's a mold section and has a whole has a whole uh, page selection on mold remediation and it, it goes through the equipment, the procedures, the uh, cleaning agents, and the, you know how to recognize it and all that. Um, and there's a number of other, um, uh, another of other uh, places, including the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. Um, uh, they have um, uh, they have a, a good website on how to how to um, uh, actually it's called The brief guide to mold moisture mold and moisture in your home uh, and I've read through both of these both the EPA site and the uh, uh, and the uh, Centers for Disease Control which actually is is al- also hooked up to the mold the EPA.gov mold site but it's called mold guide and uh, and that that's the actual guide both of them are excellent sources um, but. Um, you know i guess my i guess my um, main main recommendation would be do not ignore it um take it a little bit at a time if you have to but but if you discover your mold in the house and you know it can be pink uh, it can be all sorts of colors i've seen i've seen uh, in my um construction background we've seen um uh, green pink black white fuzzy um spores you know mushrooms just all sorts of stuff um, none of which uh, appealed to me. I mean, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a physician or a healthcare professional by any means. But none of it looked appealing to me. So um, uh, the point is, you. You even if you take it a little bit at a time, um, you have to identify it first and where the problems are, and then step by step, just remove the, uh, mainly the source of moisture, get that taken care of, get the mess cleaned up, and just. Keep on checking to make sure it's not recurring and that you've you've taken care of the situation and um, you know it's uh, as I said it's not just a health issue but it's a it's a structural issue as well
2: yeah we've got um, we're going to have to end up replacing a uh, floor actually it's in the utility room and it, it's because we had um, <clears throat> there's not gutters on this old house built in nineteen ten um, and on the back they the previous owners built a long wooden deck. And I don't know how many square feet of the roof uh, where rain uh, comes down right onto that deck. And uh, I walked out the other day and about slipped and busted my rear end because of uh, uh, moldy and mildew on there because um, just all the rain drains on that wooden deck. And uh, some of it has seeped back under the house. Under I guess a little kind of a uh we call it mud room when you come in uh, you go up on the deck and then you come in the back of the house and there's washer and dryer, mudroom, what have you and um we had our uh, termite guy come out and inspect all the house and everything we're clear there, but um he said we had a wood eating uh fungus or something like that caused by of course the rain and that 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 Probably it's about eight by eight, I guess. I don't think it's quite ten by ten. big, eight by eight to ten by ten area. He said we'll probably need to be replaced because the uh, floor joists were, were covered in that. So it can they can definitely do some uh, damage. We were shocked at the uh, mold slash mildew buildup on one of the chairs that was in the living room, uh, and I just basically was because they had a very wet season here, hot, humid in the south and built up even inside the house. none of the ceiling fans were left gone. Um, the, the heating and cooling system, of course, all just sit stagnant. And um, I guess you'd call it sport, just little things that started up on um, every. So we just had to start from scratch and start cleaning from ceiling fans to the carpet, to the whole nine yards. So definitely very – and I think we've got um, the upper hand now. And have everything kind of under control. The only thing I don't think we have have hit yet really are the walls, and I'm sure there's probably some there. I just don't, it's not visible so that I can't see it. Um, and uh I don't know, apparently a few years back uh, there was a lady, a neighbor said that she considered herself an interior decorator, but I guess there's three rooms that have just floor-to-ceiling wallpaper, which I think will be easier to clean if <laughs> they were painted, so that may be one silver lining there, and I was thinking about Richard getting, you know, they have those uh, Swiffer sweeper mop things, and uh, getting some type of rag with a solution, because it is wallpaper, and um, and then cleaning the walls with, with that, um, just if there is any accumulation of it on, on the walls, which it was on everything else, I'm sure there is, but we finally, after two weeks, got the upper hand, definitely got the carpets, uh, cleaned the duct ductwork. ductwork I could obviously do that by myself, so and um, that type of thing. But very timely, very timely topic regarding this. And and, like I said, and I know insurance companies, especially when it comes to black mold, um, take it very, very seriously um, with with the human health uh, concerns with with the black mold and stuff. Tell me this: you might remind, you probably remember this, but I remember, and it really hit hard in Florida about 4 or 5 years ago when they were building just tons and tons of homes with this bad sheetrock from China that was coming over here and I don't know it, there, there was some type of rot mildew mold issue with that do you remember that was that a mold yes,
1: yes. yes. yeah I remember well it was, there was something else too there was a they had put a uh, they had put a substance in the gypsum or they had they had sourced their gypsum from from a a dirty source and I don't remember the particulars of that but but as either related to that or be, or or just as another incidental from where they were getting their materials um it was a it was a food it was a very uh, a tasty food to the to the fungi and yes there were there were uh, had a high moisture content and there were a lot of uh complaints about mold issues on that on that in, in Florida and other places that there, there was a there was a Native American reservation, in um, or I don't know if it was actually a reservation, but it was a, uh, it was a, a housing uh, complex in, I think, I believe it was in North Dakota uh, at, at some point, of probably probably a good six to ten years ago, where they, people were, had to be re- relocated because of the, um, because of the situation. Um, and I'm not sure if that was faulty construction or bad um, building materials, but I, I, that was one of the worst-case examples I remember. Um, and also in, in Canada, um, in Ontario, y- many years ago, they uh, they had a change in the building code relating to how the roof was insulated. And, uh, and uh, when people started to build to the new code, uh, it created a moisture trapping situation, which not only uh, created a thriving black mold um, condition, but also rotted the roof rafters and the plywood sheathing away. Um, over some of them were gone, or at least weakened, in over in just two or three years. So that was a big legal issue, and they had to um, they had to go back to the st- to the state or the province or, or the federal government, and uh, and they made claims against the government for uh, forcing them to build, yeah. uh, and, and they, they they had to pay. I mean, they had to go through and fix everything. So um, uh, it's not it's not a um, it's not just a, a minor problem. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely not. Um, I'm going to take
2: Richard uh, a quick commercial break, and then we come back. And we can uh, wrap it up and do any final notes or uh, any final mentions on this uh, topic today, talking about kind of controlling mold uh, in and around uh, in and around the homestead. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brencey, the incubation specialist. Brensey has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensey.com. Brensey spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled
1: water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the Dirty
2: Waterer Zone, but up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water. The Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled
1: water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap. Clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com.
2: Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. This looks like a job for Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. <laughs> Party. thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poetry with the Chicken Whisper. Again, if you missed any portion of the show, you joined us a little late, you joined us halfway through, or you may be just joining us now because you forgot about the broadcast, no worries, every show is archived for your listening pleasure. iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com, and, of course, right here, BlogTalkRadio.com. Our guest today is Richard Fruitenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine. Visit them online, BackHomeMagazine.com. And uh, take advantage. You'll love it when he's on the show. You'll love all of his uh, publication and information that's in his uh, magazine now, 20-plus years strong. So uh, check him out. You can call and order to talk to a real human uh, in North Carolina, or you can even order online. Again, that's uh, backhomemagazine.com. All right, Richard, any uh, any final um, sir points or tips or anything like that regarding controlling mold, mold uh, in and around the homestead?
1: well yeah I guess I could just go over uh a li- very briefly um just to sum up because I've, I've mentioned it as we went through the you know one of the one of the things you can do is to um is to get air moving through the house and you you went into that earlier with the with the georgia house um you know setting up window fans uh opening windows getting the air moving through um and especially keeping paying attention to those to those in a in a sort of a in a sort of a um house where there's closed rooms and not an open floor plan but there's uh, several um uh rooms with doors on them you want to you want to be sure you uh, you keep the doors open or block them open and be sure you can get air through the um, you know through the through the home one of the one of the tricks in a in a um, especially a second story a home with two stories is to open we open all the windows and um, and put the fans upstairs and make them blow out into the outside from through the windows, and uh, that will um, that will suck air from the from the open door and windows downstairs, and and bring it through the entire house up up the steps and uh, and out you know out and carry any moist air out through the uh, you know through the home. Now, if the air is moist outside, uh, that's not as effective. Obviously, and one of the ways to make sure that's not a problem is to keep the vegetation growth away from the house as far as possible. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a real tricky situation because like in the south, especially in a southern exposure, uh, the trees and such are often what keeps the home cool in the summer. Um, and if you have a grand old oak or any other kind of grand old tree that's far enough away from the house and the canopy is high enough up to block the sun, that's not a problem. But when you have a, a, more, a newer house or, or new gro- newer growth around the house and the growth happens to be very, you know, fairly close to the house within, you know, 10 or 15 feet and the canopy is not as high and it's fairly low and all the air that comes into the house, even though you don't you don't think it is, the air that's coming into the house is really moisture laden because the leaves are full of moisture and the air is being pulled um, past those leaves, um, taken from the area under the leaves, uh, you know, between the ground and the, and the canopy and that's all moist. So all that air... That the house, the home, is receiving if it's not air conditioned is, is going to be moist. So, so you really have to make a game plan for that. Um, whether it takes uh, you know removing those trees that are too close and, and planting new ones much further out and just just waiting or um or you know whatever whatever you can work out. Um, and the other thing is just because I, I saw a note in the chat room here uh, about uh, you know treating mold and as I said um, you know you'll you'll find a lot of stuff uh, in references. Uh, you know a, a a cutting um a small percentage of of peroxa of of uh, of uh chlorine bleach with water you know maybe in a in anywhere from a from a 3 a 3 to 1 um 3 water 1 part uh chlorine bleach to maybe even 9 parts water 1 part chlorine bleach and some soap using that um house wash that kind of thing um, or using a using a, uh, a peroxide, maybe some cu- a peroxide cut with a little bit of water to uh, to uh, make a treatment, or even white vinegar. That's another one uh, another one for white vinegar is just a real good cure all for a lot of things. It's not it's probably not the best mold killer, but it's um, very effective and um, and uh, you know certainly inexpensive. Um, you can use it straight, or you can cut it a little bit with water. But the, using it straight doesn't hurt at all. The odor is a little strong, but um believe me it'll it'll go away after uh, a little bit, doesn't take too long. It's it's strong at first. It will linger for a, a little while but when it dries it goes away and it does leave a it does leave a I wouldn't say it's a film, but it just leaves a protective um sanitizing uh uh not a residue really, but it's just evaporated evaporated vinegar. But it it does not encourage the growth of um, mold or uh anything any bacterial stuff. So it's uh it's a real a real cheap uh uh, a practical solution to a lot of the a lot of the uh, issues of just cleaning and household cleaning in general um, so you know that's what i what I would recommend but you can find a lot of things um in resources and uh, and online from respected uh reliable resources that um, that will tell you some home formulas or tell you some mitigation uh, or remediation procedures so um you know we can uh, do do a little research on our own and uh, and take care of it mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Get on top of it. And,
1: and like you said earlier, you know,
2: get on your hands and knees and look for it and try to nip it in the bud before it becomes an issue or a, or a problem, uh, which is always, uh, I guess, a good thing to do with just about anything. So, um, so, so yeah, check it out, folks. And, um, Richard, thank you very much for joining us today. Very, again, timely topic, both <laughs> personally in my life and I'm sure others uh, that are out there, too, having to deal with that <laughs> pesky mildew or uh, or mold or maybe they have a situation where they came back from vacation or, or an extended uh business trip and voila they've got a, a mold and uh a mildew issue and now they can uh refer to to the show. So thank you very much uh for joining us. Let me see if I have um my information open here. We can tell uh I know we have a lot of followers that come on specific specifically for uh your show with the sustainable living. And we've got pots in the garden for August fourteenth. Pots in the garden. Um, if you can tell us kind of a little bit of what
1: kind of what what we can expect for that show. Well, it's basically it's, it's not so much container gardening the way uh, we're thinking, but just the use of um, the use of of um, uh, the both the both the moisture moisture retaining qualities and the and the idea of. Of almost borrowing a container gardening features, but putting them in the in the soil, that kind of thing. Just sort of the, another technique. It's just a gardening technique that may be good in in the heat of the summer to uh, help keep moisture in the in and around the roots, um, where it, may, it might be uh, normally. If uh, situations where where the ground might evaporate, soil might become extremely dry if you don't uh, keep up with it. In the, and uh, so, just the tips that relate to just keeping the soil healthy for uh, for growing in the hot summer. Super. All
2: right. Well, thank you very much, Alan. That'll be a couple uh, couple more weeks, folks. You can uh, tune in and hear Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine. And don't forget to visit him online, backhomemagazine.com. And you can subscribe and get a world of goodness in your mailbox uh, uh, that's every other month, six times a year, with uh, tons of great information. And like Richard said before, it's information that doesn't really ever... Go bad. So you you know if you want to go back and and get every uh, episode and use it as a uh, every episode every um, publication and keep it on file. And I think they're all now on on DVD format as well uh, to save some space and uh, look back at uh, all the topics he's ever had in Back Home Magazine. Richard, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure, and we'll see you back in a couple of weeks.
1: Okay, so, right sure. We'll we'll talk to you then.
2: Great. Thank you. Bye bye. That's Richard Frutenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine. Again, visit them online, backhomemagazine.com. Get this information and a whole lot more. Uh, And uh, we need to give away one of his magazines. Maybe we can do that um, later today on our Facebook page. So thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. We do appreciate it. Tomorrow is Friday, no show. We'll return Monday with Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. That's this coming Monday. Uh, We'll have another awesome topic about keeping your backyard poultry happy and healthy from the experts. Don't rely on a blog. You don't know where that information is coming from. Don't rely on a forum. Uh, I've said it many times. I asked a certified avian veterinarian, how many dead chickens do you think there are? Because people relied on information on a blog or forum, and she didn't hesitate. She said thousands. That's why we try to raise the bar, both with our Chicken Whisperer magazine, Go and look who's writing for our magazine, and look who's writing for the other chicken magazines, and that ought to tell you something. Look at how many articles we've had in our magazine um, that basically debunk information you've seen in their magazine just a few issues before, like attracting wild birds to your backyard. Yep, that's a no-no if you have backyard chickens. Um, So, uh, yeah, and, and then look at our guests that we have on the radio show as well. So just be careful. I don't want you to lose your chickens. All the hard work. Uh, your named pet chickens if you go that route, you know, your meat birds that you're feeding your family with because of information you found that ended up being bad or detrimental or at, at, at the least case scenario, delayed the right care for your chickens because you relied on a blogger forum. Okay, it just doesn't make sense. Um, I'll give you an example right now. Okay, We talked about worming on Monday. You may have missed that, but let's talk a little bit about yogurt. You go on any blogger forum right now and people are talking about, oh, yogurt, I get my ch- a cup of yogurt every day. A cup of yogurt. Every single day for my beautiful chickens because I want them to have good gut health and besides they like it. You know it's so it's so interesting when I'm on tour and and, and I mention something in our training sessions and 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 uh, or post something people will say but my chickens love it but my chickens like it. Okay, my three year old will sit down and eat a Snickers bar for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He likes it. That doesn't that doesn't mean it's good for him. It doesn't mean you should do it. Oh, oh, but they love yogurt. So. What's your point? It doesn't mean it's good for them. It doesn't mean you're helping them one iota.
0: Oh, but they love it. It's amazing.
2: Uh, my kid loves Snickers, okay? Now, I'm not going to give it to him because he loves it, am I? No, of course not. It's the same thing, just like uh, I- I'm just going to worm my chickens for the heck of it because I see other people do on blogs and forums. Oh, really? You're going to take your kid to get chemotherapy because you think they have cancer and haven't determined they have cancer or not? Of course not. That's silly. Why are you going to treat your worm, chickens for worms if you don't even know they have worms and, and, and you, for some reason, or don't want to spend $25 on a fecal flotation test to determine whether... You'll go and pay $10 for a wormer that may not even treat the worms your chickens may or may not have. I don't get it. Um, and you might see that in some other magazines. <laughs> I'm definitely on blogs and forums. So let's talk about yoga for a minute and then we'll end the show. Okay? It's, we've beat this dead horse... But in case somebody's out there that just hadn't heard this before, there is. You, you may be giving your. Let's let's say you're one out there that's giving a cup of yogurt every day. You're spending a dollar uh, for for fruit on the bottom, blueberry yogurt, whatever, and you're giving one cup every day to your chickens for good gut health. That's your main reason for doing it. Plus,
0: they love it.
2: Okay. The issue there, there is not enough of the good stuff. There's not enough of the good bacteria in that regular old over-the-counter store-bought yogurt to do a darn thing for your chicken's gut health. There's not enough of the good stuff in there to help them. Fact, chickens do not have the necessary enzymes to properly digest dairy, which includes milk product, cheese, dairy, um, yogurt. They just don't. Scientific fact. Asked poultry scientist and professor Dr. McRae, chickens do not have the necessary enzymes in their gut to properly digest dairy. That doesn't mean if you give them a cup of yogurt, they're going to die. No, it doesn't mean that. Okay? But if you give them enough milk, enough dairy, enough cheese, it can give them diarrhea, enough yogurt, enough milk, they can give them. Farmers way back when, if they had a coccidiosis outbreak, they would... Uh, uh, Flood their chickens with milk to try to drink them all that milk, so it'll give them massive amounts of diarrhea to help flush out the coccidia. Okay, so 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 that's really number one: is chickens don't have the proper enzymes in their gut to digest dairy. Okay, number two there's not enough the good bacteria for their gut in store-bought yogurt to do a darn thing. You're wasting your money. Okay, but there's plenty of bad stuff in that yogurt: sugar, high fructose corn syrup, artificial colors, artificial flavors. All that stuff your chickens do not need. But you're feeding it to them every single day. Why? Because they like it. So, the issue is you're paying a dollar a day for the cup of yogurt. That's $30 a month doing nothing. When you can actually purchase a specific probiotic designed for chickens for about $20 Twenty dollars a month, nineteen ninety-five. Okay, less than what you're spending on yogurt every month. That's doing nothing to help your chickens. Okay, now if you get the probiotic designed for poultry, designed for your chickens, that has enough of the good bacteria to help your chickens and have a good gut health, which will keep them healthy, healthy for twenty bucks. And not not only now are you saving money, ten dollars a month instead of buying the yogurt, they're not getting the high-fructose corn syrup and all the sugar and all the artificial flavors and all the artificial colors and all that stuff they don't need. And you're not helping them. You may think you're helping them, but you're not, because there's not enough of the good stuff now. You're spending $20 instead of 30 and you're actually helping your chickens by using a specific probiotic design for your birds. Where can you get that? First State Vet Supply. I know, carries is it. I'm sure there's some other places as well. FirstStateVetSupply.com. I don't know if you buy it there, it will include all the directions you need specifically for your chickens, whether you have six or 600. Okay. Um, so uh, I wanted to talk about that yogurt. I've been thinking about it the last few days, saw a post on it about yogurt, and so I want to just share that with everybody on the, on the show today uh, in case you haven't heard me rant about what it is uh, about the yogurt and... Um, Something you may want to think about if you're giving yogurt to your chickens. You know, a cup every now and then, whoop-dee-doo. Oh, I'm, not, I'm done with this. I didn't really like this flavor I bought. Here, chicken, 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 here, finish it. Fine. Not going to kill them. Not bad for them. Not going to give them copious amounts of diarrhea. That half a cup, that occasional cup as a treat. But if you're one that's giving them all this yogurt because you think you're helping them, <sighs> well, I've got news for you. You're not. (laughs) All righty. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And, again, we'll see you Monday with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Hey, spend some time with your family this weekend, folks. Have a good time. Barbecue. Cook out. Wash the car. Spend time with the kids. The wife. Have a good time. God bless everybody.
0: (laughs) Bye-bye. <laughs>